Good morning, everyone. Welcome back. Coming to you live from the CBS Community of Summerton, Philadelphia. Continuing with Derek Hashem. Beautiful, lovely, lively Tuesday morning. Yes? Tuesday morning. Yes, Bushy confirms that. Tuesday morning. We continue here with Derek Hashem. And we're actually at the final paragraph of Perek Dalid of Chela Gimel, which is the second to last Perek, actually, of Chela Gimel. means, Mitz Hashem, we wrap up Perek Dalid today. We have one more Perek. And then that's the end of the third section of the Sefer. That's that's very um, momentous over here to be seeing ourselves uh, making progress over here through Derech Hashem. We're getting towards the, we're on the cusp of concluding the third of four sections of Derech Hashem. But uh, you know, let's let's um, tone down the excitement. Let's 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 go on for the time being. Let's let's, let's learn a little bit, um, and maybe this morning we will indeed be able to. Move through this entire paragraph and wrap up Perik Dalit. So, excuse me, Chayla Gimel Perik Dalit, Simon Yud Aleph. Gimel Dalit Yud Aleph, that's 3, 4, 11. And Yeramchal is wrapping up this chapter where he dis- wherein he discussed prophets and false prophets and uh, the difference between real prophecy and false prophecy. And there's different kinds of false prophecies. There's deliberately channeling false prophecy. There's accidentally channeling false prophecy. And when a Navi Sheker is getting Nevuah from dark, foul places, and that can happen deliberately, and that can happen accidentally. And the Ramchal, after all said and done, he's going to use all the background, all the principles that he gave us to explain and give us the inside take on a story from the Book of Kings. The story of King Ahab. King Ahab and Jehoshaphat, also known as Ahab and Yehoshaphat, the king of Israel and the king of Yehuda, Malchi Yisrael and Malchi Yehuda, respectively, where they actually they, they there were there were times during the Bayis Rishon during the first base of as recorded in the King Book of Kings that there were rivalries there was there were there was um, um, infighting between the different the two different um, kingdoms in Eretz Yisrael Machus Beis Yisrael and Machus Beis Yehuda but there were times that they had uh, had alliances so this was one of those periods in history there was an alliance between. Achav and Yehoshaphat, the king of Israel and the king of Judah. And there was a, a um, discussion if they should go to war, a joint war against Aram Naharayim. Aram Naharayim, who had taken over the Golan Heights. Okay, this is not a new thing. There was uh, fighting back and forth about the Golan Heights. The Golan Heights had been captured by Aram, and Achav wanted to take it back. Achav wanted to take it back. And there's a very interesting story there where he um, sends to Yoshafat, he says, come, you know, let's go out to war together. It's in our, both of our, it's in our mutual interest to drive out the guy from Eretz Yisrael, even though it's part of my territory, not yours. Let's go join forces and we're going to wage war against Aram and drive them out from the Golan Heights, from, from Ramayz Gilad. Um, so Yoshafat, who was a God-fearing king, came to, came to, um, Achav, and he said, well, what, what do the prophets have to say? In those days, in those days, if you were a God-fearing king, you didn't make any moves without consulting the Navi. Well, you know, ask the Navi, what does the Rebbein have to say? So Achav assembled all these Navim, hundreds of Navim, and they're all telling him the same exact thing. Go, wait, go, go arise, rise up, go, go, uh, take the Golan Heights, and you will succeed. You will succeed, they told Achav. You will succeed over there. And not only that, there was a, a, another another Navi who was named over there, 
Tzidkiya ben Kanano. Um, and it says Tzidkiya ben Kanano was also prophesying that Achav would succeed. And it said that he made himself iron horns. He made himself a helmet like a, like a Viking cat. It says with these iron horns. And he said, Thus saith God, with these horns we shall gore Aram until they are defeated. Remember we talked earlier about the Nevi'im used to, used to grand their prophecies with, with, with acts, with science. So that's what he did. He put on this, you know, these Viking horns, these iron horns, these metal horns. He said, Thus saith God, with these horns shall we gore Aram until they defeated Achav, you will, you will be successful. So Yoshafat hears all these prophets. Yoshafat says, you know, something's funny with these prophets. Yoshafat doesn't like these prophets. He says to Achav, don't you have any prophets that are loyal to God? Ask one of the prophets of God. So they bring in a prophet by the name of Michal Yahu. And Achav said, there's one prophet who claims to be prophet of God, but I don't like what he has to say because he's always saying nasty things about me. He's always telling me things I don't want to hear. So Yoshafat said, bring him in, bring him in. He said, okay, we'll bring him in. <laughs> so they brought in the prophet of God, Michal Yahu. And those who see, those who say the truth are always unpopular. That's, you know, part of, uh, part of the job. They bad. Hmm? They bad. Who's saying the truth? That's right. That's right. People with clarity are always the ones that are the most despised. So, uh, Michael came in. And first, Sachav said, should I go wage war against Aaron? And Michael said, yeah, sure, go. Go wage war. It's gonna, it's gonna be great. You'll have a great time. It's gonna be wonderful. So Achav sensed he wasn't really being upfront with him. He tell me what God has to say. So Michael looked at him and said the following. He said, you want, to know, you, want to know, you want to know what's going on in heaven? I'll tell you what's going on in heaven. Now, there's more background to the story. And uh, I'm speaking all this out because we're going to see that Ramchal is going to take us through the story. He's going to give us the behind-the-scenes take on this entire episode here in Tanakh. Achav was not a good person. He was, he was an evil person. He was wicked, but his wife was even worse. He was married to a Rishanta. Izevel. Jezebel. And she she uh, was a Balas Abay Zara, And she, you know... She got her husband and the entire nation, his entire kingdom to do Avodah Zarah. And amongst other things, she um, saw that there was a certain field outside the palace that Achav had his eyes on. And this field belonged to a Yid named Navois. And Achav had his eyes on this field, but he couldn't do anything about it. You know, he was, he was uh, I don't know, couldn't exercise eminent domain or something. This field belonged to Navois. And, um, who is, uh, yes, because uh, if, the, if the owner of the uh, telephone could please, Rabbi Side, there's a cell phone here. If whoever owns it could please uh, switch it to silence or something. It's, it's been taken care of? Okay. So, um, uh, so Navais was a Yid who had this field that Achav had his eyes on, and Izevel gave him the following plan. Said Izevel, you know what you should do this guy? Have him... It hasn't been taken care of. Bushi said it was taken care of. As if the owner could please put it on silent. Vibrate. So who keeps switching it off? The owner's not there? No, someone else turned it off. Oh. It's not, it's not sitting here somewhere? Okay, thank you. So apologies to everyone out there in uh, WhatsApp land Zoom space. We have a, um, a phone over here that's uh, from the Nevi'e Habal, giving us false prophecy, channeling false, false, foul, foul spirits over here. Anyway, so Navais had this field, and Achav wanted it. Izevel said, listen, hire two witnesses to, to, um, to frame him of a crime he didn't commit. You'll be able to execute him in Bezin. When you kill him, you can take the field. 
And that's what Achav did. He hired two witnesses, Mamash is something straight out of Masechus Makas. He hired false witnesses to testify that he was guilty of the death penalty. And Achav was thereupon able to seize the field. They killed him, they killed Navas, and they took the field. So Michayo, so we fast forward back again to the, to, we're, we're in the, we're in the, in the court of the king of Achav. And Michayo tells everyone, he said, you want to know what's going on here? I'll tell you what's going on. The spirit of Navas arose in heaven, and the spirit of Navas was demanding, was demanding justice and vengeance, and everyone in heaven was clamoring and tumbling, what's going to be with Achav? You know, Achav wants to know, should go into war, should he not go into war? We have to mislead him, we have to trick him into going into war, because that's where he's going to get killed. Who's going to trick Achav into going into war? They're saying up in heaven right now. It says Micha Yahu. So, um, Micha Yahu told the entire crowd there, who is the one in heaven that said, I'm going to volunteer for this job to trick Achav into war, where he's going to meet his end, where he's going to be killed? The spirit of Navos. The spirit of Navos says, I'm going to descend and mislead the prophets over here into thinking that they're receiving true prophecy. I'm going to feed them false prophecy and thereby lead Achav to his death. And this is what Michayo told Achav and everything when they assembled. You guys are all a bunch of liars, you're phonies, you're false prophets. And Sidkio ben Kanano as well, he's a false prophet. Everyone's been misled by the spirit of Navos who came down to, to, to deliver this false prophecy. With that, Achav got very upset because this was definitely not what Achav wanted to hear. Achav was much much happier going with the hundreds of prophets who were backing him up, and he threw Michayo out unceremoniously. He went out to battle. He was killed by an archer in battle, and um, that brought the story to its conclusion. Um, more details that we're leaving out, but that's why we have Tanakh, Rabbi Say. Learn the story inside. Very dramatic, very intriguing and fascinating story. And now for our purpose, we're going to see how the Ramchal is going to explain and explore that story from the perspective of how Nevoa works. Based on everything that we said till now, this is the explanation behind the scenes for what happened with the prophets of Achav and the spirit, the spirit that misled them, the spirit that convinced the prophets of Achav to mislead Achav, that's again the spirit of Navos, this, this Yid who he, whom he killed. This that, what, what, what that means is like this. Due to the evil actions, the machinations, and the, and the um, dastardly deeds of Achav, it had already been decreed upon him in heaven that he was going to have to be killed in Ramos Gilad, in, in the Golan Heights, the heights of Gilad over there in the Golan as when he tried to mount a war against the enemy to retake it. It had already been decreed in heaven that he's going to have to die there, because his 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 final card had been played as a punishment. Not only that, since it had been decreed that he has to die, part of that decree to learn to his death was that it should be a very strong luring temptation um, to entice him in, in a very, in a very, very irresistible manner to lead him to his death. To again in a very strong, overpowering, irresistible way to get him all to go all the way up to wage war against Aram. So he should not deviate from him. Again, this is all part of his punishment: is for him to be tempted and and and, and lured in a way that was going to be very difficult for him to resist. He had lost the merit of having siyat the shmai of having divine protection and divine assistance to give him the strength to be resilient to that temptation. So that was part of the punishment. That A, he was going to have to be killed, B, in a certain place, and C, he was going to, uh, he was going to be set up in such a way it's going to be very difficult for him to resist the temptation to actually go to where he was going to meet his end. 
the Kamashir Vavis, even though if you look at the story, there were definitely signposts along the way that if he would have heeded them, should have been very loud and clear, uh, you know, warnings to turn away. Achav, don't go there. It's not the right thing. It's you're gonna. It's not gonna end well for you. There were very clear indicators, but and that was the voice of of Yehoshaphat and Michayahu, who were, were telling him, you know, we think something something's funny is going on over here. Achav, you really this not doesn't sound like a good idea. Nevertheless, even with the voices of clarity, it was set up in a way it was going to be very difficult for him to heed those voices of clarity. Shamerly Yehoshaphat, Yehoshaphat himself, his colleague, the king of Yehuda, told him, Drush Nakiyam Hashem. Why are you listening to all these, all the, all, all the Mishagasin over here? Yoshafat was able to sense that these hundreds of prophets, the assembled, that were all telling him the same thing. Go! You'll be successful. Go! Yes, Achav, you'll be successful. Yoshafat was able to sense that these were all false prophets, that they weren't saying, tell, telling him the MS. And he said, go find an authentic, legitimate Navi. Yoshafat was not satisfied with the prophesying of those prophets. Shekoza, nevertheless, Achav did not um, consent to not agree to go along with Yoshua's recommendation. He did bring in Michayahu at, at Yoshua's insistence, but he didn't go with the prophecy of Michayahu. He went with the prophecy of all the false prophets. Shekoza Yatzavi Lefan of Yisbarach. This was all foreseen by Hakadosh Baruch Hu that Achav was not going to be able to heed the voices of clarity, go with with, uh, with the warnings, and rather he went with all these Neviyei Sheker that were encouraging him to go up to Ramais Gilad and, and where he was going to die. Now, one of the giveaways, one of the indicators, as we already saw, uh, what was what was um, one of the tip-offs to Yoshafat that these are all false prophets. As we mentioned earlier, that there's, the Gemara tells us that no two prophets ever say the same prophecy with the same words. And he had several hundred prophets that, that were saying the same exact thing verbatim. They all were saying the same thing verbatim. Alei v'hatzlach, arise and you'll succeed. Alei v'hatzlach. And Yoshua said, this is, this is, this is, uh, suspicious over here. This is, uh, this is, this is, uh, some monkey business going on. Exactly. This doesn't, this is not, this is not, uh, how prophecy works. If these are all, all these guys are saying the same, this is not legitimate prophecy. Um, it's illegitimate. Not, they weren't making it up, but they were channeling it from the Kaychas Hatoma. And as we've mentioned in the past, what's the difference between why a legitimate prophet is always going to say things in a unique way, but illegitimate prophecy will will be able to be repeated verbatim. Whereas two real prophets will never say the same prophecy with the same words, they'll say it differently. Why? Because real nevuah is about the Navi's neshama, having dveikas al-kosh baruchu. No two neshamas are the same, no two dveikas experiences are the same, therefore no two nevuahs are the same. When it's authentic nevuah. When it's non-authentic, when it's coming from kaychas atum, it has nothing to do with my neshama. Nothing to do with my Nisham having Zvekas. It's rather me just uh, allowing myself to be uh, a Kli for Kaychas Hatoma. Nothing to do with my unique bonding with anything that's beyond me or higher than me. It's me sort of being harnessed and hijacked by something. So it, it, it's about the Kaychas Hatoma, not about me. We'll come to Nabas. We'll, we'll get to Nabas in a moment. Okay. So, so Yeshua had chapped that all these, all these hundreds of prophets all said they're all Navi Yeshek because they're all the saying the same thing. Achav ignored that. When Achav's sentence was being arranged upstairs in, in the, in the heavenly courts, as Michayo mentions, there were the defendants and there were prosecutors. There were the angels that were saying, let Achav die. There were the angels saying, no, spare Achav's life. 
v'nizmanim in yonim l'fatoisoi, and um, when they had decreed that Achav was indeed going to have to die, and therefore and we, it's part of the Pesach and Shemaim is, okay, so how are we going to carry this out? We have to send an agent, a shliach down here, to trick Achav, to lead him to his death. It was decreed in Shemayim from all the volunteers that the most appropriate messenger to be sent down here to get Achav to be led to his death would be the Ruach, the spirit, that's the spirit of Navis, the spirit of Navis, whom he had um, executed, whom he had framed for a crime he didn't commit. And that would be the comeuppance to Achav and the appropriate and the come up for the Ruach of Navis, for Navis' Ruach himself to be the one to descend. There's two groups of false prophets over here. There's going to be the Neviah Sheker, and then there's, we're going to see there's one false prophet in particular that stood out that did something different. Okay, let's, let's take this one step at a time. There's a group of several hundred false prophets. They were all prophesying in the same language, with the same, with the same voice, with the same, with the same words. This group, the group, collective group of false prophets, were actually deliberately trying to channel false prophecy. Says this is Ramchal. That's how he's learning up the story over there. They were accessing Kaychasatum, and they knew they were. They knew they were. They were trying to tell Achav what was going to happen in the future, but they were in the Vyasheker, and they were Lechatchila in the Vyasheker, and they were not trying to be anything but the Vyasheker for themselves, but they were attempting to divine for Achav via accessing the Kaychasatuma what, what the future would bring for Achav. They were simply trying to access the dark places, dark forces, the dark side, and allow themselves to be channeling the dark side. They didn't want; they, they weren't trying at all, um, even from the get-go, to access Hashem and have tevekas with God. But they were deceiving the king. They didn't tell this to, to Achav. They portrayed themselves as authentic prophets. They portrayed themselves as people that were actually trying to, to channel the divine. They said, yeah, we'll ask God what God has to say. You know, you believe in God, we believe in God. Who doesn't believe in God? We're going to consult with God, with God's divine light. We're going to go be misdabic and have a Nebuch experience with God. And we'll tell you what God has to say. So they were presenting themselves as authentic prophets, but they were, in fact, all together, knowingly channeling um, to go the easy way, the dark way, and to have some immediate uh, answer for Achav that they were going to be presenting as deceitfully as authentic prophecy. They went through their motions, they went through their meditation, because, you know, it starts off the same way, to the untrained eye, it would look the same. You know, we, we would see a false prophet, we think these are getting authentic prof- prophetic experience. Because, again, there would be the trembling, there would be the convulsions, we'd see his eyes roll back, he's clearly gone to some kind of meditative trance, and he wouldn't be that, he wouldn't be waking up. That wouldn't be um, staged. That wouldn't be a hoax. He would really be doing that, but he would, in that meditative, transcendental state, he would be accessing and not the iris of the Reboi Okay, To the untrained eye, it would look, though, like he was going to an authentic meditative state. The same way that we keep going back to our modern-day charlatans, the, the, the phony Kabbalists, who some of them may even think that they are authentic Kabbalists, and realize that they're accessing Kaychazatumba. Again, to the untrained eye, it looks like, you know, the, the Makubal is really, is really analyzing your soul. Perhaps he really is, but he's getting misleading, um, and not 100% authentic information. Yes? So, here it says that they were deceiving the king. Yes. Do 
did Akko really care if there was Kaisa Yes and no. Yes and no. He wanted to he wanted to hear what God had to say, but he also wanted to hear what he wanted to hear. And I think all of us kind of are the same way. Yeah, but then they weren't really deceiving him. Because he didn't really Yes care and no. He said, I want to hear what God has to say because what God has to say is, is legit, is authentic. You can you can you can uh, you know bank on that, bet your bottom dollar on the word of God. But he wanted to hear that the word of God is what he wanted to hear. Did, we all have that same struggle. Did those hundred novice knew that they were accessing it? Yes, they did. They knew it was Kaiqus Thomas. So okay. that was their that was their deceit. Okay. They were deceiving the king. He so said, that, Tell me what God has to say. And they said, Okay. God says, I leave Hatzlach. So they weren't really telling what God had to say. But he ostensibly was asking them what God had to say. Now what would have happened if they would have told Achav, no, this was what from Kaiqus Thomas? We don't know what Achav would have done. Achav clearly wanted to hear, you know, he looking to hear, go and wage war. That's what he was looking to hear. Um, can't really, that's an unanswerable question. What would have happened if they would have told Achav the Emes? We don't know. Maybe that would have tipped the scales, maybe for Achav to go with Michal Yahu instead of them. But in any case, they presented this as authentic prophecy. Even though they knew, they knew they were channeling in uh, Kaychah Satoma. And was in red flag for Achav, the other king Yehuda. There were many red flags. Said, hey, let's talk there were there were many red flags. Yes, yeah. There, as we just mentioned, the Ramchal himself spoke to that. There were many red flags, but that was part of God's punishment. Was that Achav was the, the 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 temptation to go fight war was so irresistible for Achav that he was he was unable to ignore those red flags. Right? We have red flags all the time in life, and you know we also have our own places where we have temptations that we can't resist, and we ignore red flags all the time. So Achav did the same thing. Yeah. Um, says says Ramchal further. The Dabr is that Haya Nasa Amelech. Not only they were deliberately channeling false prophecy and presenting it as authentic prophecy, but they did it in the king's presence. For him to have, for them for him, for them to have more credibility in the king's eyes. So in others, they saw the, the convulsions, the meditations, the eyes rolling. He saw they saw he saw all that. And I was like, oh, I'm so lucky to have all these all these prophets. Here in my presence, um, and that's the chat. What the pasuk says: All the prophets were prophesying in front of Achav. All the prophets were prophesying. They gave him the whole show. They didn't just come and deliver the prophecy. They went through the whole show in front of him again to to her, to mislead, to mislead and deceive him. What they brought down through that impure, contaminated nevuah was how you meet the following words. Aleva Hatzlach, rise up and you will succeed. Unasoy Hashem biyad Amelach and Hashem will deliver into the hands of the king. That's what they said. Eloy Yedvam Shoyaruach Hahu Midaber Befiem. That is, that is what. These are the words that the ruach placed in their mouth. V'loy Hoyu Toim Heim Ba'atzmam. They were not misinterpreting this experience. They knew full well that they didn't go and consult with God Himself. They knew full well that they weren't having real devakos and accessing Hakadosh Baruch Hu. They knew that it was coming from Toma. Achav was mistakenly believing to be this to be a, a confirmation and a a uh, affirmation and a guarantee from God, and he allowed himself to be convinced. To the degree that he no longer believed, he ignored the the warnings and the 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 advice 
and the the, the uh, attempts of Michayahu to 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 uh, get him to desist from his from his uh, campaign because he had too much faith. He was putting all of his eggs in the baskets of the false prophets, even though Michayahu was speaking the truth. Now. There was one other false prophet that we deal with now separately. Tzidkiyah ben Kenana, the one that made that the Viking hat with the iron horns, he went one step further. They only spoke the words that that Ruach told them to deliver and they knew that it was coming from a place of Toma. They knew that full well. Tzidkiyo not only delivered the message, but he acted it out. He put it into action. He actionized the prophecy. Why did he do that? Why did he actionize it? Because Tzidkiyo ben Kanano really believed that this was an authentic experience. He thought he was getting real Nebuah. The one that made, you know, the iron horns. That put that, the Viking hat on his head, that helmet. And said, Thus saith God, with these horns shall we gore Aram. So he thought that this was real prophecy. He thought this was real prophecy that was authentically coming from the legitimate source of God himself. To so the point that he was, was, um, so, uh, bold as to say, with these, you shall gore your, your enemy. And so he had the, the, the audacity, the goal, and the boldness to say that because he really believed it was coming from God. And there's a difference between what he says and the other prophets, the false prophets. Tzidki ben Kanano was someone who was not trained properly in the ways of Nebuah. He was untrained. He was, as we mentioned earlier in the parak. From the Bnei Anavim. He was an apprentice. He hadn't quite made it yet uh, to the level of a Navi master. He was still learning the tricks of the trade. He was unable to distinguish between the real and, and inaccurate, false and true prophecy, a real experience and, and, and a, uh, a, a um, mockery of an experience. He, he, he was unable to make that distinction. So he mistook his experience for real nevuah. That's why Chazal says, He said things he didn't hear. It wasn't mean he said things he didn't hear. He said things in the name of God that he didn't really hear in the name of God. He thought he heard them in, in the name of God. But he was unable to really distinguish between what God sounds like when God's talking to you and through you and what the Kaych sounds like. The Chazal also says, the spirit of Navas tricked him. The spirit of Navas was able to trick him. Chazal also said, he should have verified things. He should have investigated this prophecy more. What does it mean investigated? He should have gone to his master, whoever his master was. Every princess has a master. He should have said, this is what I heard, this is what it sounded like. You know, Is this legit or not legit? They were told, no, that that's coming from Navas. That was not coming from... Uh, from the Rebbeinu Shalalim. Kvimash his hero Yoishafat, um, based on what Yoishafat had, Yoishafat was able to to recognize. No two prophets ever say prophecy the same exact way with the same exact words. Even Yoishafat knew this. He had received this tradition from the Nevi'im. 
And again, the reason is because when you have Tveikas HaKadosh Baruch Hu, it's about your neshama, having your experience with the Rebbein Shem, so it's going to be tailored to your neshama in, your, in, in, in unique words that are customized for your neshama, um, where this Kaychas HaTomer are just running straight through you, hijacking you, hijacking your mouth, they're not, it's not a unique experience. And that's something that Micha, that Sirkiyo should have picked up on, and he would have, he would have picked up on that, and investigated the matter, he would realize this was not a authentic experience. Vihine. Bemaz Karla Navimaim Baisla Azman, Gilu Yoisumimasho Yurakim Lahasig. It happens to be, that at that moment in time, those false prophets actually received a higher level of revelation that they normally received. It was a higher and different experience, even for the Neviyei HaSheker. Against the Neviyei that Tzidkiah was able to make a mistake. That he thought that he knew these guys were Neviyei Sheker, and he knew good and well what they were about, that they channeled always Kechas But it was clear to everyone in the room that there was a deeper um experience that they that they were currently experiencing than that that they than they normally uh, had had in the past. Sidkio realized that the Navim realized that themselves said Sidkio was able to mistakenly believe that this maybe this time they actually got it right. Even though they on their own were only trying to access Kaichatoma, it seems to Sidkio that they really were able to that they had indeed locked on to the Rebunch himself. Again, this is something that was arranged and orchestrated from the Rebunch to trip up Achav Kasavnu. As we explained, understand this matter very well and process this, says the Ramchal, very, very well. And with that, he concludes this paragraph and that concludes the second to last parak in the third section. And those are two interesting words to conclude with. Understand the matter well. And what does the Ramchal want us to realize with that? What's the takeaway over here? So that was a long paragraph. He gives us a very fascinating inside scoop on the events of Achav and Navais and what was going on over there with Achav being led to his death. And what the Ramchal Lechayr is telling us is that, you know, with all that was said, that there's a difference between false prophets and, and, and true prophets. There's a difference between master prophets and apprentice prophets, the Nevi'im and the B'nei HaNevi'im. It's passable for a, a um, prophet in training, an apprentice prophet, to still know some basic rules to distinguish between real and unreal, authentic and, 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 and false fake prophecy, to know some of the basic rules and to be able to see some of the indicators that this is, not, this is, this is false prophecy and yet to still be misled. To still be misled... Um, um, if he still hasn't graduated. And that's what essentially happened with the Ruach of Navais. There were signs that even Sidkio should have picked up on it. And Sidkio also knew this rule, what Yoshava pointed out, that hey, this can't be real Navu, because everyone's saying the same thing. Sidkio knew that as well. Yet, Sidkio was still misled by, by sensing and observing a higher level experience than was normally present, higher level revelation. And Sidkio said, well, this must be an exception to that rule. And um, the Ramchal is showing us is that the stakes are very high when it comes to navigating, uh, 
you know, the streams over here of correct prophecy, incorrect prophecy, and and it has to be dealt with in a very, 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 very delicate way. And once again, we return to what we said yesterday, a Rebbe above everything else, a guide, a, a, a uh, master uh, under whom to study is irreplaceable and there's no stage at which the students, the Navi in training, the apprentice can say, well, I know all the basic rules so I can at least start, you know, being independent in, 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 in this level, even at a, at, a, at a very advanced level of training, there's still room for him to stumble, stumble and trip, still room for him to be misled, and that's what unfortunately happened to Tzidkiah, even though they were right in front of his very nose, not just for Achav, but for Tzidkiah himself, red flags and warning signs that he should have picked up on, yet he was still able to be misled by the, the, the magnitude of the Nuvu experience, and that's what tripped him up, that's what tripped Achav up and led to Achav's Death at the hands of Aram, and that concludes Rabbi Yisai. Chayla Gimel Perik Dalad, and Ramchal again is making this plug for Messiah guidance tradition. Nothing in Yiddishkeit is done independently. Everything in Yiddishkeit is done with a guide, a trainer, a master who's been trained by a master who's been trained by a master who's been trained by a master who was trained by Moshe Rabbeinu himself. And Mir Tashem, tomorrow we begin the, the last. And which also the final parak in Chayla Gimel, that's parak Hay. And maybe we will yet be able to conclude the third section of Derech Hashem before we break for summer vacation, before the summer's man is over. Thank you all for joining and have a wonderful today.